The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I feel kind of sorry for uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin today because having just gone through the diagnosis and surgery for prostate cancer with my own husband, not this last December, but the prior December. It's a weird time when you're in a holiday season and you need to have a procedure. Now, I I wouldn't, I don't understand how prostate surgery is considered elective, but I guess it's because you could schedule it at your convenience. It's not like you're rushed in to the, uh, operating room. But it's a pretty scary diagnosis. And I guess my biggest problem, because now I do have some sympathy for him, uh, my biggest problem is that that is a very serious diagnosis to not inform the president of the United States. Maybe they could have made a decision that they didn't want to disclose a lot of the details to the public, uh, maybe certain things could be withheld. You don't need to know, did he have radiation? Did he have surgery? I mean, that's different than the actual president. Now, why wouldn't they tell the president of the United States? I mean, obviously, because he don't, uh, he barely understands much. And that might have just, I don't know, been over the top for him. I, I really don't know. But that's scary. They need a better protocol and then they need to follow it. I don't understand how we could be living in 2024 and the Secretary of Defense goes missing for a life-threatening illness. And we're all trying to figure out like what happened, when did it happen? We're still, it's, it's, uh, it's January 9th. He had the surgery on December 22nd. Really? There was no other way of handling this? I find that hard to believe. But that's where we're at. Now we know. He's still in the hospital. We don't know when he's getting out. Apparently, he's being kept up to date on everything. I'm sure they provided him with everything he needs. But I don't know. Uh, This concerns me. What else do they do in Washington they just don't get caught doing? That's really kind of dangerous can't really trust anybody. And reporters seem completely uninterested in this, you know, to the extent of they have to pay attention to it now that it's been exposed. But they don't seem concerned. Can you imagine if this were happening and it was, I don't know, uh, one of Donald Trump's Department of Defense secretaries, they'd be going through the hoops the media'd be following around his wife and children. But again, I heard the stupidest analysis on one of the uh, radio programs that I follow on the podcast. I don't even know if it's a real radio program or if it's just a podcast. And I'm not even going to say its name because I don't want to give these guys any publicity. I'll never listen to them again. But there's three of them and one is a woman. And she started to make this case for, well, that's why we need all cabinet members and the president and all these executives to be women. Because they don't get prostate cancer? 
No, they get breast cancer and they get ovarian cancer and and they get a period every month. But hey, uh, she was just confused, really, really confused. Um, Watching the insanity, though, that's going on right now with this new fear-mongering is really, really disturbing me in a way that I, I, I didn't think that they could get to me much anymore. But I was wrong. They keep coming up with new ways to just make me crazy. So now the political violence that could conceivably happen if Donald Trump were to be reelected is too much for the American people to bear, and uh, Michelle Obama's going to have to jump into the race. Uh, that was the big uh, headline today. It's been kind of a headline and something I've talked about before. She is what they believe is their great white hope. I mean, obviously not white, but um, they got nothing else. They got nobody else that the public even likes. It's crazy to me how we live in a country of so many people and supposedly so many brilliant people. We got umpteen geniuses, millionaires, creators, inventors, leaders, and... uh, and the Democrat Party has come down to like, well, you know, we better run, we better run Michelle Obama if we want any chance of retaining the White House, as if Kamala Harris didn't exist. Was she just like an after? I I don't know. I never thought she was the right person for the job, obviously. But how do you bypass her at this point? She's been there. For the entire term, she was supposedly handpicked. She's supposed to be super competent. I mean, I know that's not true, but apparently now they've figured out it's not true. And they're looking for some last-ditch rescue by Michelle Obama, who, I don't know, that, that she would consider it. You'd have to be kind of uh, an egomaniac with an inferiority complex to consider it. And I'll leave that right there because she's got a sweet life and she knows what it's like to be the commander in chief. And I don't think, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know her that well, didn't read her books. I know everybody else did. Haven't read her biographies, autobiographies. But why now, why would she do that? I never known her to be that much of a pro-American person. She she even said after uh, Barack Obama was elected the, that that it was the first time she was ever proud of America. So she's not a big fan of this country. She thinks we're all going to riot and be out of control if Donald Trump. And mind you, if the prediction is that there'll be uh, terrible civil civil unrest if Donald Trump were to get elected, it's not coming from the right. I thought they keep telling us all the lunatics are on the right. Apparently not. Not that there aren't lunatics on the right. There are. But this is just watching the way the media has grabbed a hold of this. There's going to be, you know, people are going to be dying in the streets. By the way, my husband has been saying this for months now, so it's not news in this household, that there's going to be violence, regardless of who wins. So... What are we talking about? We have always run that risk. 
it doesn't mean that we, uh, you know, that this is the moment where the Democrats need their Hail Mary, and, and the Hail Mary is actually not a Hail Mary at all, but it's a Hail Michelle. And, and then th- today they were all, everybody was like out crazy talking about all this as though it were reality. And it was like, well, we could be in a position where we have two women of color running against each other for the highest office in the land. And it took me like 20 minutes to realize they were talking about Nikki Haley. Like somehow they've now decided that the Democrats have to find somebody else to run and so do the Republicans. The people are not competent to pick a candidate and then vote for it. They need to be spoon-fed in a presidential election. And oh my goodness, what will they do if they have to make a choice between two uh, women of color? I, I'm so tired of the categories. I really am. Can't we just have like the best people? Do we have to keep, you know identifying everybody by their gender, by their race, their religion. It's just so tedious already. I don't know who anybody is anymore unless you tell me what category they're in. Well, they may be competent, but they're not black. Oh, they may be uh, qualified, but they're not a woman. Oh, dreadful, dreadful. This is what's happened to our country. It's just frightening. Anyway, I do have two guests on today, primarily because this is the season. We have to start looking. We got to, all politics are local. That's why I've stayed in this position for 33 years, because I really believe I have a greater impact in our community than nationally syndicated people really do. With the exception of Rush Limbaugh, I don't think anybody moves elections anymore. Uh, Obviously, Hannity didn't move in 2020. Um, it's very difficult at a, on a national level to move voters. But on a local level, when you're there and you're living the life that the people you're talking to are living, we've got the same problems. We have the same people um, that we vote for, whether it's in the House or whether it's as a governor or whatever. We're, we're just more of a community. So I, I, I look forward to featuring a lot of these candidates. I'm going to be talking with uh, one candidate today who is running for Broward Sheriff. And I am not a big fan of our current Broward Sheriff. And I'm always, you know, nervous about saying that because you put yourself out on the line and then what? But I'm going to be talking with Charles Watley in the next segment of the show. He is uh, attempting to run for the uh, sheriff's office here in Broward County. And at 345, Joe Kaufman, not my brother, but my dear friend, will be calling in because he did it again. He was able to, uh, you know, sort of uh, help convince the Marriott hotel chain that it was probably not in their best interest to have a bunch of people who might be plotting to uh, destroy Israel and America have their conference at their facility, which we haven't been successful at stopping them often, but apparently he has been this time. So stay right where you are. We got a lot of interesting content and more importantly, um, there's nothing, there's no better way for you to spend the next hour than with me. And I don't say that patting myself on the back. I just think you want information and you want to be entertained and you can get all of that right here. Don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app 
or visit the website so you can get all the news, flashes, and podcasts, etc. I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. All right, and uh, welcome back. As I promised you, I'm going to be featuring as many local candidates as I possibly can this year because how are you supposed to make decisions and choices if you don't have an opportunity to hear what people have to say? And you don't have to make up your mind today, but you do need to begin the process. Who are these candidates? What do they represent? And do I have any interest in seeing them uh, get nominations and get elected? Because if you do, then you got to work. And I tell people all the time, this is a arduous process running for office. It's costly and they need help. Candidates need help. Uh, so I'm bringing on the one of the first candidates I'll be talking with is Charles Watley. He is running as an independent for the Broward County Sheriff's Office. Now, mind you, this is not supposed to be a partisan election in any case. It's not, a, you know, a Republican against a Democrat. That's not how sheriff's races are supposed to be conducted, but we have always had them in that form. So running as an independent is not particularly uh, novel. As a matter of fact, it's probably a pretty darn good idea. Let's find out who he is and what he is thinking in this effort. Charles, uh, welcome to the program. Hey, Joyce. It's uh, great to hear you uh, today. And, uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to be on your show. This is my first time being on the radio show. So okay, a little nervous. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Nervous. You've been in law enforcement for all these years. Nervous is when you got to walk into a domestic uh, violence situation and you don't know what's on the other side of the door. So you'll get over it. Just take a deep breath. All right. <laughs> okay, we'll do. But all uh right. Yeah, the other part is, you know, you do so much training and training, uh, everything clicks in on those situations. Right, right. That's true. And you don't get to train in this area of running for law, uh, of running for office, but you have a lot of law enforcement. T tell us a little bit about what you've done and where you've worked and, and you know, what your gifts are. Okay, um, well, first of all, uh, when people say they're concerned about the community, I am the only candidate that was raised in Broward County. Mm -hmm. And I come from very humble beginnings. We're talking single parent, five children, uh, a very poor childhood. In fact, at age 14, I'd work at the pick and pay just south of Broward Boulevard and 27th Avenue to help take care of my family. Mm -hmm. So I come from very humble beginnings. Um, I attended William Dandy Middle uh, School here in Fort Lauderdale High School. And from there, I got a scholarship to play football in a small college in uh, Minnesota. And from there to the United States Marine Corps, where I served my country with honor, with uh, meritorious promotions. Once I got out of the Marine Corps, that's when I uh, began my career in law enforcement. And I served in law enforcement for 28 years in various uh, fields, uh, from patrol, field force, uh, training instructor, I have 26 years' experience as a training instructor in all aspects of law enforcement, um, a detective, and, and so forth. Uh, but the main reason why I decided to run is for over 20 years, being here in Broward County, I've seen failure after fa failure from the sheriffs. And each time it's because they've been seeking for their own power and their own good not doing a job. 
if you look at the examples like Sheriff Grady Judd or Sheriff Ivey and then compare them to the sheriffs we've had here, you see a, a big difference. Mm-hmm. So I'm fighting to bring that kind of law enforcement here into Broward County. Broward County is one of the biggest law enforcement agencies um, in the country and, and and rather complicated and diverse just topographically. So the fact that you've worked in the Broward County Sheriff's Office is a good thing. But what would you say is the most significant problem that confronts just, you know, the average police officer or a sheriff in, in Broward today? Are they not getting the support that they need from leadership? Is Are they expected to do things that really don't fall under law enforcement? What's the big problem? Well, the number one problem is they're attacked constantly by the media. Mm-hmm. Even though a large proportion of the public itself supports law enforcement, they support the blue line, that's the blue line, but there's lack of support from the media. They're constantly attacked. Uh, and at the same time, because it's a political position, uh, you've had leadership in the Broward Sheriff's Office that bends and does the will of the media. And so in the field of law enforcement, in that job, they're fighting two fronts. One, they're trying to protect the people from criminals, But if they do that and they become proactive, then they're attacked by the leadership. And we saw this uh, example by the deputies in Tamarack when they broke up a disturbance. Uh, The media protested. They had leaders come protested. Uh, Sheriff Tony fired them. And then he had them charged without due process. And every single deputy won their case. Then they had to sue. And then they ended up getting their jobs back. Meanwhile, the taxpayers had to pay for all of that. But Tony did that to appease just a few people and the media Mm -hmm. because he likes to prop himself up. And he'll say he'll hold everybody accountable, but he doesn't hold himself accountable. But he is well aware uh, he sees a judge next month uh, for ethics violations for falsifying official documents. And he could be stripped of his uh, badge of gut. It's interesting to me that, you know, you bring up the media because the media has covered for almost every sheriff, with the exception of, I think, uh, maybe Nick Navarro and Al Lamberti, because, of course, they were conservatives. But they have covered up a lot of the past of Sheriff Tony, and it's been publicized, but they never really kind of run with the stories. You know, there was a, 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 a... a homicide when he was a kid and uh, th- that was not brought up, yes. you know, d- early on. And, and when it was finally brought up, it was uh, minimized and nobody wanted to, you know, talk about it. And then, you know, there've been all kinds of rumors about him. There are always going to be rumors. Get ready yourself. Even if they have to make them up, they'll come up with some yep. stuff. But they've been very uh, yep. hands off with, with uh, Sheriff Tony and in no small part because he is a black sheriff and, and that's what they wanted. That was the qualification, I think, that uh, Governor DeSantis was most concerned with, which was very disappointing to me. Um, to me, it was very disappointing. Um, I was one of the first people that uh, gave an alert about Tony uh, before he was even sworn in. Uh, when I read his bio and it said he left FSU to join OCS, 
which is Officer Candidate School for United States Marine Corps, it didn't click right uh, with me. So I started making calls, and I have a lot of um, connections in the military uh, going up through the ranks of general. And uh, it turned out the reason why Tony left FSU is because he was arrested for fraudulent checks. So I started putting this stuff out. More people started doing digging on uh, Sheriff Tony. And uh, he has a arrest history of at least four arrests that he had sealed up and expunged. Uh, he served adult probation. And this is well known. That, I mean, you could pull up. You, I pulled up a picture of him with a probation number as an adult. And um, it seems like the media just hides it. Well, you know, it's interesting because Jose Lambier, who used to be like the star reporter in Palm Beach, he's been publishing pieces since, I guess, 2019 in the Daily Mail in Great Britain about all kinds of, you know, look, I don't know and I don't really care about, uh, you know, an individual's marriage and th that kind of stuff. But you would think that it might be relevant to tell the voters of Broward County what kind of behaviors they can expect from somebody they're about to hand the keys to the kingdom to. I mean, he's in charge of the safeguarding all of Broward's citizenry. And I live in Broward County, and I don't know that I feel particularly safe anymore. I feel there's been a real diminution of the ability of, of officers to do their jobs. Like you said, they get protested if they do their jobs. I go into the jails frequently, and those deputies, their hands are tied. They're not allowed to say anything or do anything. And since Sheriff uh, Tony has come in, it has gotten very, very secretive uh, within the jail system in Broward County. And I've been you know, part of it for the last 20 years. And I've never seen it like this. So um, I, I think it's time yeah. Yeah, to, to move it, on. I've seen it get worse and worse over time. Mm -hmm. And you've had numerous uh, deaths over the years in the jail since Tony's been in. Yeah. The past two weeks, you had two more deaths. Yep. yep. Um, and the, the problem with Tony, um, let's look at the dispatcher problem. Right, 14,000 right. unanswered dispatcher calls. He argues right. with the commission saying he needs $4 million uh, to hire more uh, employees. Five days later, or 10 days later, he takes a trip to Scotland on a taxpayer dime. And this is how he works. Mm -hmm. um, instead of fixing things at the, the, the agency, like replacing the helicopters, knowing that they're bad, and we had that terrible tragedy, mm -hmm. he spent $70 million on a building. That's including equipment and personnel that will have to go into it, where he could have replaced those helicopters and uh, Captain Terrison Jackson and uh, civilians uh, would be alive today if he would have done that. But he does not hold himself accountable. And now it just came out that he spent $460,000 on extravagant art to go into the main building off our boulevard. So... <laughs> You know, it, it's your money or the people's money that he's spending, and it's just to prop himself up. Yeah. Well, listen, it's going to be a challenge to run this race. Do you have the support of uh, other members of law enforcement? Because that's going to be critical. Uh, yes. Um, I didn't plan on running. Um, 
but after the uh, the tragedy with the helicopter crash, uh, I started getting calls from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, I'm a very religious person. I served in my uh, church, uh, not from the pulpit, but helping other members out and new people. And um, I've trained to be a pastor in the future. And the number one thing is that they all know that I walk in a good testimony, that I'm honest, that I'm sincere. And uh, many of them have contacted me. I'm talking about uh, prior colonels, captains, uh, wanting me to do this, because they know that the best way uh, to get things done right within the agency is, one, uh, you have to beat the Democratic opponent. And unfortunately, uh, we don't have enough Republicans in Broward County. (laughs) That's that's for sure. If we work together with Republicans and independents, mm-hmm. and I'm a very, and you know me, I'm a very conservative yeah. person. Right. My fear, my biggest fear in life is not walking in good testimony before God. That's my biggest fear in life. Other okay. people will tell, the, tell you their biggest fear is something else. So I feel in my life I answer to a higher authority. So I have a lot of support of people contacting me. I'm also endorsed by Vita USA, and that is the... Hispanic version of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look, as I said before, I think it's time. Um, we really uh, sort of were slipped this particular sheriff, um, and and I was I was not pro uh, Sheriff Tony from the start. I got the word to, through to uh, you know the governor at the time, but he was not listening to me, nor is he listening to me today. So. Um, the, how can people yeah. find out more about you? Where you know, do you got a, a website, a face page, whatever? Yes, um, I, I really would appreciate anybody's help and support uh, during this fight because mm-hmm. the number one thing that I am fighting is corruption—corruption mm-hmm. corruption within the top levels of the agency, corruption in other areas of the county—and I want to wipe it clean. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm doing this. It, it's enough. People die because of these tragedies. We had yeah. it happen at Parkland. We had it happen at the airport. And now we had it with the helicopter crash. And numerous deputies died when Tony lied during the COVID pandemic when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But they could help me. Uh, I'd really appreciate the help. And they can ask me any questions they want. And I'll respond back at www.watley. That's W-H-A-T-L-E-Y. 2024.org. Hey, that's easy. Watley, 2024.org. I'll make sure that uh, I get that out there. And uh, you just keep fighting the good fight. If God be with you, who could be against you? Yeah, and uh, hey, God bless you, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing for our country. All right. God bless you. You you take care. Thanks. Uh, Charles Watley, that's his name. And if you're looking for somebody to uh, get involved in some political action, and you better be. If you're a listener to my radio program and you don't have plans on getting involved this year in the election, shame on you. I mean, uh, unless you're... No, I can't think of any reason that you can't get involved because you could do it from your couch these days. Anyway, let me take a break. I'm going to be right back. So that's it. Now it's going to be like, oh, you know, you can't vote for Donald Trump because there'll be blood in the streets or no, you can't allow Joe Biden to be the candidate. There'll be blood in the streets. Uh, This is insane. You know, the violence that we see out there is across the board. 
Yes, there's political violence. And yes, it's increased. But so has every other kind of violence. You know, I haven't shared the story yet about being in Target the day before I left San Francisco. I'm in a Target and a beautiful Target, a really nice one at the Stonestown Mall or whatever it's called. And, you know, my grandsons were in the virtual reality playground, um, which I don't think has really got any chance of making it because it was way too expensive for what what was given to them. But they're in there and I decide to wander through the Target. And as I'm leaving, my daughter says, grab me a, a small bottle of Advil. I, I have a mild headache and I don't have any Advil. And I didn't have any. I don't walk around and, you know, at home, I always have something in my purse, but I didn't have anything with me. I said, oh, okay, fine. That gives, gives me a good excuse to wander around. And in California, the tar Targets have CVSs built into them. So I get to that, you know, the deputy directs me to that area. Every single thing is behind a locked door. I mean, there were very few exceptions. Like you could get a single pack of Hall's mentholiptus cough drops, but you couldn't get a whole bag full. Those were behind locked doors. And so I'm ringing this buzzer. I'm waiting for somebody to come and open this so I can get some aspirin. I mean, I wasn't looking to, it wasn't an expensive item. I think it was like a $4 or $5 little jar of Advil. And I don't blame the, the salesperson because she had an entire area that she was responsible for. She was running around like a chicken with a head cut off because people couldn't get what they needed. And now she opens up these cabinets and you better be ready to make a quick judgment because you don't have any time. She's got to run to the next person. So I'm like looking at the generic brand and I'm looking at the other and then I, she's like practically tapping her foot. She's so anxious to keep it moving. And I realized, you know, this is insane that they've tolerated the petty theft to the point of can't even get a bottle of uh, Advil, a little jar of Advil without going through a whole procedure. I was waiting for them to you know, make me sign a waiver. But uh, that's what's going on. There's violence, there's petty theft, there's uh, broken windows. All of this is going on in our country right now, but they're going to turn it into it's only because of Tr Donald Trump. And if Donald Trump gets elected, it's going to get worse. And I, I really... I am so tired of hearing the t the word Hitler being thrown around and and uh, you know the surge in 2024 of violence and all of this stuff and, and the crazy headlines uh, you know uh, the 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 lawyer argued that the president can assassinate his rivals what you know I, I don't even know what that means and I don't know why it's a headline that presidential immunity would actually cover the president ordering political rivals to be assassinated by SEAL Team 6. Like, that's a pretty far-out argument. I don't know why it was made today. So if that's how this case is going to, you know, unfold, you bet there's going to be some, <laughs> some people out in the streets outraged. And they have nobody to blame but themselves. You know, when Michelle Obama says, oh, I can't sleep at night. I'm so worried about what's going to happen. Uh, you have a lot of uh, proverbial blood on your hands, uh, your administration. 
And then you p- promoted this wackadoodle that was your vice president, your husband's vice president, and put him in the highest office in the land. And the guy is incoherent. And now you're worried? You should be worried. But this is all, you know, this is all Obamaville, you know, whether they want to admit it or not. Anyway, I'm going to break on time because I do have Joe Kaufman coming on, a very interesting subject to talk about. And I do want to remind you that following me is Eric Erickson and then Joe Paggs, uh, Lars Larson, the red eye overnight. And then they're back in the morning. I heard Jen. She sounded great back in the saddle. She and Bill uh, in the morning show. Nine o'clock is always Brian Kilmeade, and at noon, Dan Bongino, and of course, I come back at three o'clock every day, but I still have one segment left today with Joe Kaufman, so if you want to hear Kaufman squared, stay right where you are. I'll be right back. It's been some time since I got to speak with my good friend Joe Kaufman. Of course, he himself knows how hard it is to be a candidate, which I was talking about earlier, having run for congressional seat a number of times, uh, but he's decided to devote his attention now to what he really excels at, which is monitoring and exposing extremist Islamist organizations and helping to uh, bring light into dark places, evil forces at work. But apparently they weren't able to overcome the exposure and what happened? Have they now canceled this uh, event at the Marriott? They did cancel it. It was it was an event uh, organized by the South Florida Muslim Federation. As I said many times on your show, it's a, it's an umbrella organization for for many radical Muslim groups throughout South Florida. Um, they were having it at the Coral Springs Marriott, and and uh, and thankfully the Marriott did the right thing and shut it down. Now, we've protested this very same location in the past, and we were never able to prevail. The Marriott always let them carry on. What what changed this time? What changed was October 7th. Mm-hmm. So October 7th brought all these groups out of the woodwork. They showed their true colors. So when I, when I, I took a group of four others, community leaders, um, to to meet with the general manager of the, uh, of the Marriott, uh, um, Mark, uh, Mark Cherry. And, and, uh, and I brought with me, I created, my group created a 30-page PowerPoint presentation with all of the evidence. And, and in that presentation, um, it showed uh, these, uh, a number of the speakers that were going to be speaking at that event. They were promoting Hamas, praising Hamas in in, uh, in, in images and video, uh, they they were they were saying the, the most horrific anti-Semitic things, and, and I'm talking about beyond Israel. I'm not talking about anti-Zionist stuff. I'm talking about um, things about Jews. You know that Jews control Hollywood. Uh, that Jews spread pedophilia. That anti-Semitism. One of the speakers, uh, Yasmin Kanar, she she's a she's a Muslim social influencer, a social media influencer. Uh, so she's using her social media to put out videos. One video says, actually, that, that anti-Semitism is right because Jews, are, Jews have been doing things wrong throughout history. And it's, it's absurd, and we showed all of this material. And, and, uh, and thankfully, the, the, uh, the general manager did the right thing and, and, and shut it down. But, but indeed, October 7th was... Um, you know, change things. And, and, uh, and these groups are really showing their true colors and putting out 
um, this material, and, it, and, it, and it's really unacceptable inside the United States. It's unacceptable to promote Hamas. It's unacceptable to promote violence or anti-Semitism, and, uh, and, and, and we have a voice that we're going to use it. Yeah. Well, and of course, I immediately saw they put out a statement, the South Florida Muslim Federation, saying history will show this sad day when Muslim Americans were prevented to assemble in some neighborhoods. Now, that's not true. They're not prohibited from assembling, but they are certainly not welcome to host speakers and have conferences where they're calling for the end of Israel, the end of Jews, and, and even the end of Western uh, democracies, because that's really the agenda. And and the fact that the media is finally kind of waking up to this, not fully, but a little bit, is a, is a real testimony to how long you've been fighting this battle. You and a handful of others have had to do this at great personal sacrifice. So, you know, I just want to thank you. I'm, I'm sure that he got an earful, Mr. Cherry. Uh, no doubt, but he he did. He was gracious. He he took over an hour, you know, with us mm-hmm. for us to show us um, the material. Uh, in the beginning, he didn't, you know, he didn't seem like he was he was uh, he was going to do anything about this. But I I believe that you know it was it was so overwhelming that um, that something had to be done. There was no chance for for the general manager to say to us that what we were saying was not legitimate. One, one of their speakers over there, Nama Kangani, they were promoting her as, be, as being part of, a, of this human relations committee in the Broward County School Board. She was in that committee, and she was leading up another committee for the Broward County School Board, but she was just, in June, thrown out of those committees for posting anti, uh, anti-Semitic um, things, including a video that said that Jews were satanic. Um, but they were actually promoting her as being part of this this committee that she was thrown out of specifically for anti-Semitism. They had another speaker, Shafiat Muhammad, who has been also, he's been thrown off a number of Broward County boards for spewing vile hatred against homosexuals. So, you know, they, they, and so it's, it's, it's insane that the type of speakers that they're having at these, um, at these events, and they think that this is somehow... Um, okay, it's it's not it's not okay. And when they bring in Hamas, it's not freedom of speech. Violence is not freedom of speech. Right. Uh, listen, uh, w- in this country, people who simply walked into the Capitol building were declared terrorists and insurrectionists. But for some reason, the self-same uh, you know politicians, particularly the left in Washington and the media can't bring themselves to call Hamas terrorists. I, I just find that crazy. There's, there's one other uh, bit of information I wanted to, I wanted to mention before, before I leave here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, October 7th, when all these atrocities, when this massacre took place, the South Florida Muslim Federation, on the same exact day, directly after the, after the attacks took place, posted on their social media... Um, that they, they were asking their followers to donate to Gaza through a group called Islamic Relief, through the U.S. chapter of Islamic Relief. Islamic Relief happens to be a group that has been banned by a number of nations. They, they actually, um, uh, Israel has labeled this organization a front to the terrorist organization Hamas, and they've actually arrested uh, the, the Gaza leader of this group. So when this group on the same day 
that that over a thousand, that, that over twelve hundred people were massacred in the most brutal way possible. Um, they they would post something like that to give money to a group like that. That showed me right away um, that this was that this conference was going to be bad news. And mm-hmm. and uh, and I want to thank Mark Terry for doing the right thing. I thank the Marriott for doing the right thing. I hope they're I know they're getting pressure right now from uh, from these Islamists, but they they should know that they did the right thing and 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 and, uh, and that's the best thing to do is the right thing. Always, yeah. We always do the right thing. All right, Joe, thanks for bringing this to light. Always a pleasure. Miss you guys. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Joyce. Be well. Oh, you too. Happy New Year. All right. Well, listen, you know, these are the kinds of local stories that matter. When you see that we're, we're able to do amazing things when we band together and just you know, give information to people. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. If it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then as always, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.